0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me today to Jeremiah chapter 1. To Jeremiah chapter 1, we're going to start there. Um, But as you're turning your Bibles there, I want to begin with Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life, and man became a living being. He blew his breath into the nostrils and man became a living being. When it says the Lord God formed, that word formed in the Hebrew means carefully ...created for a strategic purpose. You are not here by accident, amen? And if you have breath, God has purpose for you. If you have breath, you have hope. If you have breath, you have life. And you have a purpose under the sun that God has called you to. And I pray that you will realize your purpose today. No matter what you've done, good or bad, that you'll realize that there is a second chance for you. And that God wants to use your pain to bring someone out of captivity today. I want to talk to you this morning about the gift of life. My purpose is to be biblical this morning, not political. I don't believe the gift of life is a political issue, but rather a biblical issue. And I believe that the Bible says that we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I believe with all of my heart that the Bible and good science teaches that life is found in every seed. Say that with me. Life is found... In every seed. Every seed has potential, purpose, and promise. I am a creationist, which means I believe that behind good science is a creator God. I believe that science proves there is a creator. That it doesn't disprove what God's word says. In fact, the more we uncover, the more we learn that science is lining up with God's word. Amen? Amen? Furthermore, I believe abortion is a stain on our great nation. And I believe America is far too good of a nation to use abortion as a form of birth control. I believe America also, and this may not be popular with you or with anyone, but I believe America has room for refugees from other nations who come to this country legally with the right motives. If we've lost 60 million... Because of abortion, I believe we have room for godly people from other countries, even other religions that come here the right way. When we were in Israel, our bus driver was Muslim. Our guide was a Christian Arab. Many of the places that we went to were of Jewish nature and background. What, what is your point, Pastor Ronnie? My point is racism is wrong on any level. And I support the nation of Israel. In fact, I've been invited to be a part of APAC and go on an all expensive paid trip to Israel again this year with politicians, a bipartisan group, it's a high honor. And I plan to go again and be a part of this organization that brings both political parties together to support the nation of Israel. But I don't believe that Jews ought to be racist against Arabs either. I believe racism is wrong, no matter what color your skin is or what party of the country you live in. I believe if anyone confesses Jesus Christ or Lord, they are our brother and they are our sister, and we ought to accept them and love them, and we ought to be able to work (laughs) with them. Dr. Martin Luther King said, our lives begin to end the day that we become silent about the things that matter. So the purpose of my message today is to be truthful and upfront about what God has called us to be and to be transparent about the gift He's placed inside of all of us, and that is the gift of life. So first, let me give you some statistics. It says from the Gutmaster Institute that one-third of women by age 45 will have had an abortion. You can do a simple Google search and look up abortion statistics and you'll find that what I'm about to tell you is fact and it's been researched. When looking at the reasons why people have an abortion, 25% say that it was because they were not ready for a child. 23% says it's because they can't afford a child. 19% say it's because they were done having children, didn't want to bring another child into this world, 8% is because they don't want to be a single mother, 7% because they're not mature enough to raise a child, 4% it would interfere with their education or or their career, 4% because of physical health problems, 3% fetal health problems, less than 1%, in fact, 0.5% is because of rape or incest. So what is often used in political bantering as an excuse to have an abortion is less than 1% of all abortions are because of rape or incest. In the state of Florida in 2015, just a few short years ago, it says again that less than 1% were the result of rape or an incestuous relationship. We know that statistically that poverty plays a huge role in this decision and that most abortions occur between the ages of 19 and 30 years of age most abortions occur during that time frame so how do we minister to people who have made that decision or who are contemplating making that decision well we have to function in grace We have to walk in grace. So if you've had an abortion and you're in here today and guilt is on you because I'm preaching about this topic, you need to understand if you've confessed your sins, you were forgiven and that God has purpose for you. And I'm not here to beat you up. And if you're feeling guilty this morning, please know that that's the enemy, not our Savior Jesus Christ, because once you've been forgiven, the Bible says he can remember it no more. He will remember it no more. So you are set free, amen? You just need to get over the guilt and the condemnation so you can truly live free and fully alive, which is our plan for you. That's our vision, is that you might come into this atmosphere and find freedom that can only be found in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in multiple places that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. You can look in Proverbs when it talks about all the things that God hates. One of those is that he hates the shedding of innocent blood. So let's look at the science that we get from abortion. Science tells us that a child's heartbeat is detectable at six to eight weeks in the womb. That the child can feel pain at the 14 to 16 week mark. My purpose today is truth and grace. I want to give you the truth of God's Word so that you can be set free, but I want to give you grace to know that God can use you. If you've been through this process and you've been living under condemnation, we want you to be free. We want you to know the freedom that is Christ Jesus. Many of you know Kelly and I were married very young, and And we found out when I was just 19 that we were to be parents, and it was one of the most scariest times of our lives. And we even had good-meaning, well-meaning people encourage us to abort our child, so-called Christians. Luckily, that was never an option with my wife, never would be, never was going to be. But I was troubled even back then that people who professed Jesus as Lord, could give that kind of guidance to someone. And we decided to have our child. And I want to tell you that other than Jesus Christ, the thing that brought me back into the kingdom and gave me purpose was raising my oldest son. It changed my life. It gave me purpose. It gave me potential. It let me know who I wanted to be And it gave me something to work for. And I don't regret that decision. It has been the joy of my life. But I want to tell you that I know what it's like to be nervous and to be ashamed and to to have the heaviness of circumstances on your life and and to not know where to turn or what to do. But I'm telling you, you can find God's grace in any situation if you'll seek first His kingdom. And you can make the right decision. You can do the right things and God will give you the strength to do what he's called you to do. I have no greater honor in my life than to be a dad. I love being a dad. If it came down to being dad or pastor, I'd choose dad every time. I'm not saying I'm the perfect dad, but I'm a loving dad. And I love my children. And I'm telling you, we have allowed society to convince us that children are a burden, but God's word says they are a blessing from God. Even when they're teenagers, somebody say amen. They're still a blessing from God, a blessing from God, but we've allowed society to look at children as burdens. And and, and we've we've twisted this thing around to where we have to get a parental signature in our public schools to take an aspirin, but we can have an abortion under the age of 18 without even discussing it with someone. We have a problem in our nation. We've reduced the human life to that of an animal. We've reduced the human life to that of an animal, but the Bible tells us that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. This is what it says in Psalms chapter 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. He formed us. He knew us. He has purpose for us. So the first point I wanna release to you about the gift of life is that every life has divine potential. Every life has divine potential. Jeremiah was called to the people of Judah, and he was called to release a prophetic word for them to turn from their wickedness, and God called him at 20 years old, and he was a mighty prophet that would cause people to turn from their sin and embrace the creator, and this is what God's word says. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, I knew you. The word knew in the Hebrew is Yadah, and it, and it is a perfect, timeless, all-encompassing knowledge. A perfect, timeless, all-encompassing knowledge. God knew you. He knew what you were gonna be. He knew your insecurities. He knew your shortcomings. He knew your fears. He knew your anxieties. God knew who you were going to be and what you were supposed to do before anybody did. God knew you. He formed you. He called you. Every life has divine potential, and God knew your potential before anyone else did. So don't tell me, because you were born in poverty, you don't have potential. Don't tell me because you were born with sickness or illness, you don't have potential. Don't tell me because you were born in circumstances that weren't ideal, you don't have potential. Yes, you do. You look at the people that God has used to shape this world that we live in. Most of them were born in circumstances that were less than ideal. Many of them were born in poverty. Many of them had no chance, but somehow, God in his divine potential carried them into a destiny that can't be explained. Yes, people work hard. Yes, people strive. Yes, people overcome obstacles, but God had potential, potential in them long before anyone else recognized it. I believe with all of my heart, God knew what Dr. King was going to do before his parents did. His own father, who was a minister, didn't understand what he was doing. I believe with all of my heart, God knew that LeBron James would build schools to help educate people and be a great basketball player. I don't think God was surprised at that. I don't think God is surprised by your struggles or your successes. God knows where you are, who you are, and what you're supposed to do. He knows beyond a shadow of a doubt. God had a plan. He had a plan for Jeremiah, a 41 year ministry that would shake the nations. God has a plan for you. Every life has divine potential. It goes on to say, Oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. He was 20 years old when he recognized God's call on his life. But the Lord said to me, Jeremiah would say, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Have you ever felt inadequate before? Have you ever felt like you don't belong, or you're not good enough, or you're not polished enough, or you're not educated enough, or you're not strong enough? I'm telling you, there are many people in the Bible that felt that way. I was shocked on our trip to Israel. I got the opportunity to spend some time with my former student pastor, who I always considered kind of a nerdy guy. A great teacher, he taught me for many years as a student pastor, and he grabbed my father and I one night and said, I need y'all to come to my room and speak into my life. And we were shocked and tired and didn't know what this was about. And it came out that a teacher had told him when he was younger that he was stupid and that he'd been living under the curse of stupidity his whole life. And he was insecure about speaking in public and God has aligned him and promoted him into a position where he's going to have to be speaking more in front of people. And he said, I I, I feel insecure and I feel inadequate and I don't know that I can preach like y'all and... And we had to break that demonic spirit of stupid off him and remind him of who he was in Christ and show him who he was and remind him of what God says about him. I'm telling you, God thinks you're pretty awesome. Your parents may not have, religious people may not have, but God thinks you're pretty outstanding. Why? Because he created you, he knows your DNA. He's inside of you. His anointing is on your life. His super is on your natural, and you can do anything that God has called you to do if it lines up with his sovereign will. God has called you to greatness. You just got to believe it. Every life also has divine promise. Divine promise. Gideon felt inadequate. Moses felt inadequate. David and Solomon went through periods of inadequacy. Paul would say, and who is sufficient for these things? The apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. Listen, if you can do ministry without occasionally battling identity and inadequacy, then you're doing it in the flesh. No one can serve God completely in their flesh. You need the endowment from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God on your life. If you're going to accomplish anything in his name, you've got to have his spirit. You've got to have his breath. You've got to have his unction. You've got to have his power. You've got to have his anointing. Some of you wondering why you don't have the freedom that is yours in Christ. It's because you've never been touched by your creator. You've accepted his free gift of grace. You've memorized some Bible verses, but you don't have the anointing of God on your life to overcome. You can't see the kingdom. You can't hear the kingdom and you can't function in it because what you have is religion. And what you need is the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is what pushes you through and causes you to persevere through the most difficult of circumstances. I remember hearing Dr. King preach why Jesus called a wise man a fool. And he's talking about how calls were coming in, calling him the N word and threatened to kill his daughter and threatened to kill his family. And he gets to a point in that message, friend, where he says this. He said, I had to know God for myself. I couldn't call on my dad anymore. I couldn't call on my mama anymore. I had to know God for myself. And he said he got down on his knees and the Holy Spirit came and revived his soul again. So even in the face of death, he could persevere. And he goes on to quote that hymn, I've seen the lightning flash and I've heard the thunder roll and i felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul, but I heard the voice of Jesus saying still to fight on. I'm telling you when the Holy Ghost touches you, it doesn't matter if people are threatening to kill you, nothing can stop you. It doesn't matter when the Holy Ghost gets on you, what people have said, people's opinions, God is going to do with you what he promised to do When you were in your mother's womb, somebody say amen. amen. Every life has divine promise. Every life has divine promise. There is hope for every life. So I wanna talk to you about the lineage of Jesus, the love of Jesus and the lessons of Jesus. There is hope for every life. Let's look at the lineage of Jesus in Matthew chapter one. 56 generations and I'm not gonna go through all of them shouting and snorting. But it's interesting to me, Tamar tricked Judah into incest. And that's the line for which Jesus came into the earth. Ruth was a product of incest, but God used her to teach us the power of covenant. Jacob was a thief. David was a murderer and adulterer, but a man after God's own heart. Solomon was an idolater and womanizer. But that's the line that Jesus chose to bring his son to earth. Look at the drama surrounding his own mother. How many of you, if you were dating a girl, she came to you and said, I'm pregnant. You said, by whom? She said, God. Some of you'd have a problem with that, amen? Some of you'd have had a hard time believing that. Could you imagine the culture surrounding Mary during that season? The judgmental looks. Could you imagine the pressure she was under? But she still found God. And she still worshiped God. And she still knew how to get to that place where she could persevere towards her purpose because of the great potential in her life. I understand pressure that's on young girls and the difficult decisions that they have to make. But every life has divine promise. Could it be, young mother, that that child in your womb, even though not yet developed, could have the cure for cancer, could build schools, could tell people about Jesus, could be the next Billy Graham? I'm telling you, you never know what God will do with the miracle that is on the inside of you. God wants to do extraordinary things. Extraordinary things. In February, on... The date, February 3rd, 1994. Mother Teresa spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast in D.C. And she was speaking to President Clinton and many other politicians and world leaders. And she was dressed like she always dressed. She never dressed to impress. She wore what God had called her to wear. And she is given the topic of the great destroyer of peace today. And they're all plugged in and tuned in listening to what she's going to say. And she brings a shock to the audience when she says the great destroyer of peace today is abortion. And she starts crying, and she pleaded with President Clinton to stop it. And she took her platform to stand up for righteousness, to stand up for truth, to stand up for justice. And God is still not done calling people to stand up for what's right. I'm telling you, I believe in grace, but I believe in truth. And the church needs to stand up against this genocide. And the church needs to take its place and take a stand. The lineage of Jesus, the lessons from Jesus. Jesus said, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let me set you free this morning. If you're going to serve God and you're going to walk out your calling in His kingdom, your life as you know it is over. Every day that I live serving God, a piece of who Ronnie used to be dies. If you're going to do this, it's a call to death. It's a call that won't put you on a pedestal or a platform for your own glory. It's a sacrificial life. I don't care if you are blessed and prospered in this life. It's still a sacrificial life. It's a life where you will give up worldly lust and things of this world to follow Jesus and carry your cross. So don't talk to me about how wonderful ministry is. It has its good parts. And serving God has taken me places I could have never have gone in my flesh. But it's a dying daily. How many of you have experienced this? If you're going to do this, if you're going to be a Christian in this culture, you've got to die a little bit every day to be all that God has called you to be. Lessons from Jesus. He promises that we will be hated for His sake. But those of us that endure until the end, will be saved. Those of us that endure until the end will be saved. Lessons from Jesus. This is what it goes on to say. These things in John 15 I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Joy is not some kind of silly happiness. It's inward contentment. It's knowing that you were created for purpose and potential. It's knowing where God has called you to go, what He's called you to do, and how He's called you to finish, and not worrying about the rest of it. Someone say, I received joy this morning. So the lineage of Jesus, we learn that God can do things through imperfect vessels. The lessons from Jesus, we learn to live this life in His kingdom, we've got to die, and the love of Jesus. Is how we can defeat this problem. It's how we can communicate the gift of life to the ends of the earth. Mother Teresa went on to say in that prayer breakfast that any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love, but to use any violence to get what they want. The greatest destroyer of peace and love is abortion. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, God chose to redeem us through the birth of a human being. And somehow in society, we've chosen to devalue the births of human beings. Does anybody have a spiritual problem with that? We're redeemed because of the birth of a human being, but yet we have devalued the births of human beings. We need to repent. We need to change. We need to stand up for righteousness. Jesus called us to love one another. Listen, if you've had an abortion, I love you. More importantly, Jesus loves you. We're not here to beat you up at Abba's house. We want to get that guilt off of you so you can live free and fully alive. But we have to take this issue out of the political circle and the church has got to step up and be the church and if the church will step up and be the church it will affect the political bantering we are starting to see this issue turn we are starting to see things change we are starting to see because of science not the church this issue begin to shift back towards life will you pray that God will change the hearts of our political leaders. We must pray. We must believe that God can do it. We must share our stories. We must speak life's divine purpose into people. We must tell people they are important. We must help people. We must provide resources for people. Counseling. That's why I'm thankful Choices is here today. We support them. You support them. But maybe you need counseling today. Maybe you need a fresh touch from God. Every life has potential and promise, but also every life has divine purpose. Before I close this message today, I've asked one of my dearest friends who I met as a teenager to come and share just a small part of his testimony before we close because I can preach statistics and I can preach scripture, but you need someone you can look at who's been where you may be. Or who struggled the way you're struggling. And so many years ago as a teenager, I met a a young guy named Adam Connor. He was living over here at Bethel Bible Village. And I didn't know that we would become great friends, but we have. And I'm very proud of him. But uh, his story is not ideal. How he got here is not ideal. But I believe with all of my heart that God had a plan. And that God's divine potential lived in him and was in him from the time he was born. So before we close, would you please welcome Adam Connor to the stage as he shares a little bit of his story with us today.
1: Well, I want to thank Ronnie for using part of my scripture so that I'll save a little bit of my time that I have this morning. Um, <laughs> So just uh, you know, like Ronnie said, my uh my story isn't uh isn't ideal, uh, but uh blessings come from it. Um you know the the verse that Ronnie Ronnie used this morning, uh Psalms 139, uh verse um verse 15, uh My frame was not hidden from you uh when I was made in secret and in and intricately put together in the lowest parts of the earth. See my, my story began in 1938, about 40 years before I was born. My story began when my grandmother uh, had to have a medical procedure and she was, found out that she couldn't have children. Uh, so she tried and they tried and they tried, her and my grandfather did. And then several years later, um, early 1970s, they adopted my mother. Uh, adopted her from a family who, uh, she was an accident, uh, she wasn't planned to be uh, from her parents, but I believe she was planned to be uh, from the Lord because he had a purpose. Um, he knew that she was gonna be brought into my grandparents' life and that, uh, that she was going to re- receive love from a family that did love her. So my mom was adopted when she was 12 years old, kind of late in life, kind of uh, didn't have a good upbringing, uh, kind of wild like a lot of teenagers are, but really kind of took it to an extreme. Um, uh, after high school, my mom had, a, had an inappropriate relationship with, uh, with someone that, uh, that we'll talk about later, and uh, as a result of that, uh, I'm here. During that time though, uh, there was some shame involved because of the relationship that she had, and uh, the choice was to not have me, uh, for me to be aborted, for me not to, not to be here. And uh, thankfully had a praying grandmother who, uh, who was able to, to convince her that, uh, that that wasn't the right decision. <laughs> Apparently I'm not the only one with a praying memo. <laughs> so, uh, and I know that uh, I know there's, those are invaluable. Uh, and my memo is the reason that I'm here right now. Uh, see my mom, uh, after, after I was born my mom got remarried, or married, she wasn't remarried. She got married to a man who, uh, who didn't really care for me because I wasn't his child. Uh, this man uh, abused me physically to the point of almost death a couple of times. Uh, but God had a plan. Uh, God, God had a plan to keep me alive because he knew that, that there, was, there was something for me in this life. So uh, eventually, uh, at, around age four, my grandparents uh, my mom and Papa Paul, they got custody of me. Uh, my mom she was still doing her her thing she was on drugs and you know she eventually got divorced from the man um, later on in life I mean there was a there was a point where uh, him and his mother tried to have her to kill me, um, but she didn't do it because God has a plan, um, but God we like to say so that's uh I, he definitely had a plan in my life um, so My grandparents uh, got custody of me. I was blessed to be able to grow up in the first house that my papaw built, Uh, blessed to uh, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, go to the church that my papaw built, a little Pentecostal church in uh, Athens that held about these first three rows here uh, every Sunday morning if we were lucky. Um, And then uh, later on in life, as my grandmother aged, she Uh, She got sick, uh, started having some signs of dementia and Alzheimer's. And at that point is when uh, I had moved to Bethel Bible Village. So thankful for that. Uh, My mama, she tried and did everything that she could to take care of me. But as a 14-year-old and her being a mid-70-year-old, it was just hard for her to do and too much for her to do at her her health. Uh, At that time, I came to Bethel and, and started to learn what a family, what a real family was thankful for people like Samuel Wilson that was, that was at Bethel then and the late Bob McFarland who, who oversaw Bethel and, and others that, that at Bethel that were part of uh, that, that time of my life. During that time, I, I came, to, came to Central Baptist at the time and I can still take you to the place over in the Hope Building where I got saved during the book in uh, 1995 and that really uh, changed my life. That was uh, a time that I, I thought I'd been saved but I, I, really, I didn't. It didn't take, I guess, when I was younger. <laughs> so, uh, so, know yeah, and, that, and that's what started my relationship with Ronnie, and, and grew into a friendship that, that will will last the test of time. Even at times we were both out in the world and and remained close friends. Uh, so, graduated high school, went to college got away from church while I was in college, still knowing that every time I drove by here, knew this is where I should be on Sunday mornings. But I wasn't letting there was a time in my life that I needed to be out there to to build my testimony, I feel like. I, I believe that everything the enemy tries to use for bad, the Lord tries to use for or is going to use for good. And that and that time in my life is one of those times. So eventually I I, I got engaged well, I got engaged, or actually, let me back up a little bit. My my mom in 2001, um, she passed away. Uh, and I was I was blessed to be by her side uh, she took her last breaths, and uh, really uh, was was an honor for me to to be there with her at that time. Uh, during that time, though, uh, in the in the stages of the planning of the funeral and and that sort of thing, I was coming in contact with. Some of her friends, our neighbors, some people that were around her life when she was younger at the time that I was born. And here's the plot twist these people, as I was coming in contact with them, they kept telling me how much I looked like Doc. You look so much like Doc. You look so much like Doc. Doc was my papa. So I was like, okay, whatever. I didn't really, I was busy planning a funeral. I didn't really. But the more people kept saying it, the more I was like, okay, I gotta find out. So I called the man that my mom, when I was seven or eight years old, told me was my father. And I asked him, I said, hey, I gotta know. And he, he's only answered me, the only words he said before he hung up with, with the phone was, you mean she never told you? So and then he hung up and I never talked to him again. That was around 2001 when my mom passed away. Uh, I lived with that for 10 years uh i, I didn't want to ask my mom i didn't want to want to because it would be embarrassing for me for her uh, but it, it got to a point where i was i was engaged and she wanted to know and her wanted to know more about my family about my life i wanted to know so the time came and ironically enough it was on father's day um was having lunch with my mom and i asked her i said is there a possibility that Papa is my dad. And she looked across the table from me and said yes. And, you know, that's, that was a blessing to me though. You know, people look at that and they go, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. The few people that I've told that. To me, he was the only man that I knew growing up. And while yes, he did have an inappropriate relationship and I believe it was consensual with my, with my mother, he was, he was the only man that I knew. He was who I knew as a dad. And he, he passed away when I was six with lung cancer. Um, but still, it was a blessing to me to know who it was and that it was him. And, you know, at that time, uh, shortly around that time, was when I first started coming back to church after being out for about 12 years. And I was able to know what my identity was. I was able to know that my identity was fulfilled, that I knew who my dad was after growing up my entire life without knowing uh, who he was and being jealous of my brother for knowing who his dad was and not mine, my life I finally felt like had some sort of fulfillment in it. Yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm here to, to really tell you guys that anybody that's, that may be dealing with the thought of, of having an abortion, or anybody that may have had an abortion, Yeah, you know, it's not too late yeah, you know, it may be too late for that time. It may be too late for that, but but it's not too late to get the guilt off of you. It's not too late to to have that second chance. And if you're if you're contemplating it now, you know I'll tell you. Yeah, you know, it's easy. It's you know I can say I'm I'm certainly glad my mother didn't have an abortion, because obviously, uh, but also the the emotional strain that it puts on you isn't worth it. You know, the, what your child can turn into, you know, what you, what you can have as a, as a child uh, isn't worth that, that time that you have to contemplate that abortion and to do that. It's not worth what it does to your body. Um, now, um, as many of you know, I've recently moved to Nashville, uh, I've become a songwriter, and as uh, an answer to prayers, and really, this this morning while praying with Ronnie, had a vision of becoming a minister to uh, the artists in Nashville that I'm able to to come in contact with that may not be able to go to church uh, and that may not be able to uh, to attend a church because of you know, who they are and don't want to draw attention away from the the word. So that's a vision that was given to me this morning uh, during our during our prayer time. And I just want to thank you guys for for you know, your time. Thank you, Pastor Ronnie, for for asking me to come share this morning. I'm glad that the time is right now rather than uh, a year and a half ago. I, was, I felt like when Ronnie first asked me a year and a half ago that there was another chapter that needed to be written first. And uh, that chapter is written and now we're starting a new chapter.
0: Stretch your hands towards Adam. This is about him, but it's about those of you listening more than you know. I'm so proud of you for your courage today. And I believe with all my heart, God's going to use this to help somebody today, but not just today, from now on. Heavenly Father, I anoint Adam with greatness. Lord, you called him when he was in his mother's womb. You've given him courage and boldness and creativity. Father God, I pray that he would be a minister to everybody he comes in contact with, Lord, that he would continue to take steps towards your grace and your kingdom. Lord, bless him and prosper him. Lord, I'm thankful for the ministry of this house, Abba's house, a place for the fatherless, a place where people can find their purpose in you. Lord, anoint him, give him strength. Lord, I pray that this story would help somebody, would help somebody like it's helped me and so many others. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Give God a shout of victory for a life that was saved. So don't tell me that you can't make the right decision. Don't talk to me about circumstances because nobody had more difficult circumstances than Adam's mother. But she decided To give life a chance. She decided to give God's word a chance. Jeremiah would go on to say, For I know the plans you have for me, saith the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan for you. God has put potential in you, He's put promise in you. Finally, He's put purpose in you. All things work together for the good, Paul would say, to those who are called according to his purpose. Every bad thing you've been through, God will use it for his glory. So Pastor Ronnie, apply that to my life. There is grace for your bad decisions. There is grace for your bad decisions. There is grace for your future. There is grace to move forward this morning. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's got grace for you. Just receive it. Would you stand on your feet this morning? Would our pastors move into position? I feel like we've seen a picture of what God can mean to a life and why life matters. You need to know that your life matters this morning, whether you're in sin Whether you're contemplating abortion, whether you've had an abortion, whatever it may be, you're fighting demons, your life matters. God put purpose on the inside of you, He's put potential inside of you. You just have to receive Him. How do you do that? You understand that He created you, and you understand that He loves you, and that He's called you to love others. You accept Him into your heart, make Him your Lord and Savior. If you need to do that right now, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just pray this prayer with me. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So whatever you're going through, just give it to Jesus. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer to help you. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. Lord, I reject my emotions. I reject my past. And I receive you, all of you, into my spirit. Revive my soul. Bring me joy. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed. if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says, if you'll not confess me in front of men, I'll not confess you in front of my Father. What does that mean? Yes, it means walk down an aisle. Yes, it means make your faith public. But it even goes far beyond that. It's having the courage that Adam had to get up and tell his story so that you could receive freedom today. He didn't have to tell us that. He didn't have to let that go out on the Internet or podcast or TV in the future. He got to a place in his walk where he wanted his story to be told so that others might come to know Jesus. We have to get to that place in our lives where we'll be vulnerable and we'll be honest about what God has done in our lives and we'll share it with others. That's confessing your faith before men. Not being ashamed of what God has done. How many of you say, Pastor Ronnie, I've been ashamed? I've been ashamed of my life, my past, my present. You got to let that go today. We want to lead you in deliverance this morning. Could we have some music? So if you need deliverance, if you need freedom, I want you to come and let us minister to you. It's just 1149. It's cold outside. Come get your freedom this morning. I'm going to step down. I'm going to be praying the same too, old but if you need a touch, for them, God, you come. And Share with one of these pastors. Don't miss been your been opportunity. In the same God gave us old a old gift. Live life. it. Walk it out
1: you're trying
0: to